0: Good morning. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from Deuteronomy, and it's chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. It's in your notes and on page 153 if you want to follow along. A new prophet like Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything that I commanded. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks
1: be to God. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your words for us this day, we would continue to find, to seek, to know your voice throughout the history of your people, throughout the history of the church, throughout our own lives, that we may ever follow you and hear your calling more. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears> Amen. <throat> So, you know, um, uh, hot, hot take here. And hopefully um, if anybody from the United Methodist denomination is listening to this, just um, earmuffs for a second. So I have like this love-hate relationship with the United Methodist ordination process, not just because it took me like a decade to get through it. Um, and that may seem like you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, how, you're what, like 34? No, yeah, it literally took me from the time I was like 18 until I was 29 to get through the Methodist ordination process. And I have friends who are still in the process and are as old as me and have been in ministry as long as I have. Now, the, the love-hate relationship is, it, it's about the process, right? I mean, it's a difficult, it's a long, it's an arduous process. There are so many different things that go into this process. And we often say that we, we know how difficult it is coming into the process, and yet we're following this sort of innate calling in our lives that is leading us into this set-apart ministry all right this process, it involves getting certified by your local church, that is your local church saying, yeah, we see something cool in this guy. Um, and he's a troublemaker now, but we think maybe God will like work God's magic in him and make him an okay person. Um, you have to have a bachelor's and a master's degree. so you have to go through seven years of schooling at least. You have to write papers upon papers, upon papers, go through interviews. Psychological evaluations to make sure you're crazy enough to do the job, physical evaluations because I don't know because then they just stop doing that anymore. There's all these different phases in the process. It's long, it's arduous, and difficult. And and oftentimes the the hate part of the process comes when we're interacting with the other humans that are a part of this process. Right? Oftentimes we enter the process thinking and trying to discern God's call in our lives, and we get frustrated because we come up against all of these obstacles when we're trying to do it. I, myself, I was continued by my district committee on ministry. I was continued once before I was uh, provisionally ordained. And you look and you see, it's like, uh, I mean, our pastor, like, I mean, he makes fun of himself a lot, but I mean, he's still a pretty good pastor. Pastor, how'd you get continued like twice? Uh, Friends, I don't like, I mean, I know, and I've, and I've wrestled with those demons, but I mean, I also have friends who are probably better pastors than I, and it's this Long, arduous process, but I think the sentiment behind a lot of the difficulties that we experience in this process come from passages like this, right? And sometimes I honestly wish that not just for our pastors, not just for all of our clergy, both elders and deacons alike in our church, but also within our lay leadership, finding ways to implement verses like this that help us to discern this nature in which we are God's voice for God's people. We look at how this calling from God should be present in the life of our church, especially in the life of the leadership of the church, right? This is why we care so much when it comes to ordaining pastors. This is why people get sometimes a little too serious about it, we could say. They evaluate a little bit too harshly. But it's because we care specifically about the life of the church and the leadership of the church. We know we have to be careful about who is in our leadership, not because we want to exclude anybody, but because we want to make sure that we're matching gifts with areas of leadership. Right, We don't just want to put somebody in the leadership of the church for the sake of putting them in leadership in the church. We want to make sure that they fit. We want to make sure that they are following what God is calling them to do. We want to make sure that, that they're effective in that ministry, that as they're going through it, we want to make sure that they continue to be vital in the life of the church in that way, right? Making sure that either they continue to hear that calling, that they're avoiding burnout, right? This is the process of taking deep care, of this calling, of this vision that God offers to us. And and today we're exploring what that looks like. We're exploring this promise from God, this prophecy in the book of Deuteronomy. You know, this calling comes from God through, I like to call him the somewhat OG prophet Moses. He's like the original prophet, right? You know, I mean, we've got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and they kind of had their different roles, but Moses is really like the first like prophetic character that starts to come about in scripture when we start looking in the book of Exodus, he's really the one that attaches on to God's calling for God's people and really begins to take this prophecy into and start to form, really form the nation of Israel, God's people throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. And as we're looking in the midst of this series, we've, we've already looked at the nature of what we are called to do through this passage. And again, it's diving deeper into this idea Of discernment, right? We've moved our way in this series. We started out with this affirmation of God that happens in the midst of of our proclamation and affirmation of God's love in our lives, our acknowledging of the work that God, God is doing, and God affirming who we are. Not necessarily affirming that I am Andrew, but affirming that I am a child of God, affirming that I am blessed, affirming that I am part of God's great plan across creation, and for each and every one of us who take those vows. Right then to the sheer act of learning to listen to God's proclamation in our lives. What is God calling us to do? How are we attuned to God's voice in our lives all the way to where we were last week? Where we look at the presence of God's grace in that proclamation and the transformation that takes part when that proclamation is present. And then all of this is this idea of discernment, right? We've, I brought it up a couple of times throughout this series. I brought it up during, uh, during the sermon on Samuel. I brought it up a little bit last week, this idea of discernment and how we are discerning the role that we play. So the question is, how do we discern? Sorry, I got ahead of myself. How do we discern? And then also, how do we play this role of helping others discern, right? And this is the question that we're looking to answer today as we look at this prophecy because while we may not be prophets as we look at this term in the Old Testament, we are proclaimers of God's word to some extent. And when I say proclaimers, I don't necessarily mean that you're always necessarily speaking But the way that we act, the way that we live, the way that we do things, the way that we live into God's calling in our lives, we are proclaimers of God's word. And in the great wisdom of Uncle Ben from the Spider-Man comic books, with great power comes great responsibility. And so when we think about this role that we ourselves as disciples play in this church... We look towards passages like this to help us understand what God is truly calling us towards. In fact, an Episcopal rector uh, from a commentary I read this week said, the task of determining God's word to us requires a great effort on our part and a willingness to listen for the word that challenges all that we hold dear and believe to be true. The word of God is indeed difficult to bear and to hear, but the alternative that is being cut off from God, unable to look beyond our human limits and see God's dream is untenable, right? We cannot live in that life. We must be connected to God, but we also must make sure that we are connecting with God in the way that God calls us to connect, that we are discerning, understanding, proclaiming God's word as God calls us to do so. And so we have this warning of sorts here in Deuteronomy not to dissuade us from doing it, right? Not to scare us away from either being prophets or being proclaimers of God's word. No, and and, I mean, it sounds like it, so it's gonna be weird, right? No, God is trying to welcome us to consider this role that we are called to play across creation, right? In the same moment, God is projecting the tenderness of God's word with this responsibility that we have. It's not that we shouldn't take on this responsibility, but we must make sure that we are careful with it. It means we must be constantly attuned to God's working across creation. We must be attuned to God's word through Jesus Christ and attuned to the power of the Holy Spirit to transform each and every person in creation through God's grace. And when we look deeper into this calling, we can hear God addressing the concerns of God's people and God's desire for those who follow him. Right, the people of Israel, they're concerned because Moses is getting older, and they know as well as anybody that one day Moses will no longer be with them, and they will have to find a way to continue to move forward. Right? This is something that we are all too familiar with in the church. Sorry folks, I will not be here forever. I will either get moved to the bishop or I will retire. I'm I, I might die. Who knows? Like I don't know what tomorrow holds, right? And so what's my job? What's my responsibility as a pastor is to make sure that during my time here, while I am your pastor, that I am creating a space where we are all growing in God's grace and God's love, where we are discerning who God is calling us to be. And so the nation of Israel, right, they're getting they're getting close to the end of this time where they see Moses is getting older and they're thinking to themselves, oh, Lord, what is going to happen when Moses is no longer with us? Because for the most part, they have heard the word of God through Moses. And this is especially precarious because they are hearing the word of God through Moses, right? In this time in Israel's history, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the the Jewish scriptures, they are not written down, right? In fact, the first recording of the writing of any of the books of the Old Testament doesn't come until the Babylonian exile in the 500s B.C., That's the oldest recorded text we have of the Old Testament. And so they are passing a lot of this information orally throughout their tradition. And so they rely on these prophetic figures who are conveying God's literal word to them. Right? The word of God was passed through priests, through prophets. And so we can begin to understand why... The Israelites are so scared about losing Moses, their primary prophet, their interpreter of God. Remember, Moses is spending time up on mountains. <laughs> Long periods of time. What was the succession plan? What, what was going to happen? Who would they be able to trust? And then we hear, right, Moses conveying to the people to the people of Israel, the Israelites, what God has told him. And says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything I command. And So here's here's something interesting that I always think about when I read these prophetic messages in the Old Testament. Is this as much a... Warning, right? Because we hear what happens when, when people will not follow God's word, but it's it's a prophetic promise. But the cool thing about it is that God does not give the, God gives this to Moses because God wants Moses to share this with other people. <clears throat> and so what is God calling the Israelites to do? But take up this communal role of discerning. Of listening, of being attuned to God's Spirit in the variety of people who will come to lead them as prophets, as priests, even as kings and judges later on. Right? And what we see all throughout the Bible that there are times when the Israelite people they are on top of everything. And they're like, God, we are in tune with you. This prophet that you have sent us, that you have sent us, has helped us and has given us great bounty. And then there are other times where it's like, are you sure you guys were listening? (laughs) When we reflect on God's message to the Israelites in this passage, we come in and reflect both on the promise that God offers to us for the Word of God to be present in and throughout our lives. But it's also a warning to us that we need to be attuned to this Word of God so that when these people come before us, we can discern God's good Word within the message that is being shared so that we can ensure that as a community of God, as a community listening and discerning the Spirit of Christ, that we are living and existing in God's Word as it's given to us. Right? We look at the word of God through the lens of Jesus and we see how God is calling us, all of us, to come together, to gather together just like the Israelites and to look and to seek people who will help to teach us God's word, but also for us to be able to know and discern God's words in our own hearts as well. That this is not a single thing, right? I, Andrew, do not determine God's word. But we as a community discern what God's word for us is. God endows us with wisdom, with tradition, with the calling of God's kingdom for humanity. And when we consider how we are called to share God's word, right? like like we interpret the prophets, like we interpret the priests in the Old Testament, that we too are proclaimers of everything God offers to us. And so we consider what God's word for this body, for this community, for this congregation is. And as we seek to live in the midst of God's word, God's vision and purpose for us, the working of Christ within us, we are given a calling. And so here comes the next question that we inevitably ask, right? This idea of sharing God's word, it can can feel like a burden, right? Because we don't want to get it wrong. It is. It's something very tender. It's something very holy. And we don't want to get it wrong. We want to do right by the Lord we believe in. And so how do we know that what we are sharing is truly God's word? Right? We hear the words at the end of this passage, right? We hear that warning. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. Well, that makes me feel really good standing up here. (laughs) I think I probably should get my will in order. Now I'm... I mean, honestly, this is where it gets difficult, right? Because this is where the heart of sort of the brokenness of humanity is on display. right? We are a broken people. We are in the midst of restoring the image of God within us and within creation. And so we do. We claim this timidness around God's Word. Or sometimes we do God's Word injustice. And that's why when we look at Processes like the ordination process in the Methodist church or the way we try to raise up leaders within our congregations. This is, this is often why these processes seem arduous, seem difficult, seem sometimes burdensome. And yeah, when, when the worst of them comes out, it really upsets us because we do know it is such a holy and sacred process. Right, as I said, it's tempting to just hand the reins, to just let any old person take over. But with that comes this opportunity that maybe we do get led down this stray path. And so the responsibility it places on those of us who are here, those of us who are, you know, when we talk about ordination, those who are part of the United Methodist denomination who take part in that process, those of us who are here, who are discerning future leaders for this, for this community this church right we don't want to just hand the reins over because we care so deeply about what God is doing here that we want to make sure that we are leaving in the hands of this community God's word and even hearing something from Christ where where Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 you know beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but are in but but inwardly are ravenous wolves But then Jesus gives us a little bit of help in that respect. Because he goes on to say, and speaks for a little bit longer, but he says, you will know them by their fruits. <clears throat> right, we take God's word seriously. I, trust me when I say I take God's word as seriously as the next person. Right? To know that we must discern God's word in the context of the word in Jesus Christ we consider how we are discerning God's word across this community. And when we consider someone having heard God's word, receiving a calling from God, it's, it's our role, it's our responsibility to help in that discernment, to lead them down that path, to, to not just hear the calling, but to, to discern it along with them and then to see the fruits or the lack thereof. We have to take what is before us in our tradition, the way that we form this understanding of God working within us, right? The Gospels introduce us to Christ. And the holistic nature of God before us in Scripture at large invites us to explore the beginnings of who God is in humanity. And we. We then in the Methodist church, we kind of continue that journey as we we look through the traditions of not just the United Methodist Church, but the church at large, the church throughout history, learning from where we have been, trying not to make the same mistakes over and over again, the 2,000 years that have preceded us. We bring in our own moral reason and understanding grounded in God's spirit. And lastly, and almost as important as the two that preceded is our own experience of who God is in our lives. All of this, it, it offers us this theological grounding. We call it the Wesleyan quadrilateral in the Methodist, in, West, in the Wesleyan traditions. The Episcopal church, they take out the, the experience aspect of it and they call it their three-legged milking stool. But it's this idea that our our theology does not just determine itself off of one thing or, or even nothing, but our theology is an intentional process of discerning God's word for us. And we're all reminded by Christ that it is the fruit of our life of faith that shows the nature of our discipleship. And so we take all this learning in the midst of ourselves and in the midst of our community, right? None of us learn independently. We're called into conversation. We're called into relationship. And so if, for example, we read a passage of Scripture that may trouble us, you can come to your pastor to discuss that. We can gather together in a small group and discuss it and unpack it a little bit more and what it means for us. And we put this this emphasis on how we are intentionally listening, understanding, and unpacking God's Word how we discern in community, but also the fruits, or lack thereof, come on display for us. Right? And this is something we see playing out in our contemporary time, right? you know, We see people who proclaim to be teachers, preachers, priests, prophets. And when we look at the fruits... Sometimes the fruits of their ministries are hurt, our pain, our suffering, all in the name and under the guise of God's word. This is why we become so careful, so timid, so reserved about what it means to truly proclaim who God is for us. And yet we have this promise here before us, and all we ever focus on is the warning. And we allow it to squash our own calling to share who God is, to allow God's voice to be present, not just in our hearts, not just in this church, but all across our communities. Instead of allowing the work that God is doing right here within us to push us forward, to live more into that promise than into that warning. To live more into that promise that it does not matter Right? God is telling the Israelites, look, don't worry about who your leader is. I'm going to handle that. God's like, I got you, bro. We're going to get through this. You got to trust me. And you got to trust that these leaders that I hopefully put in front of you, you need to be a part of this of leading and guiding forward. And we see when Israel doesn't do this, they are led into the wilderness. They are led into exile. When they fail to listen to who God puts before them, they crumble. Now in this message, I've put a lot of responsibility on myself. But I've also put a lot of responsibility on each and every one of us. Because we are all together as a community, discerning where it is God is leading us. What is the voice? What is the word that God is offering to Beach Grove? Right? We are called to be a visible church without walls. Right? We are called to strengthen our local community by connecting. Needs to resources through partnerships, right? That is our vision. That is the word that God has offered to us here at Beach Grove. And so what do we do when we gather together? We discern how we live into that vision. What is the word that God is calling us to go and to share with others, to go and to give to others? And so we hear God's word amongst us, right? The example of Christ working in and through us, continuing to mold us into this perfect love that God has envisioned for each and every one of us, being sanctified by God's grace. Right? We live into that, always looking towards the people that God is creating us to be. And we gather around in community, discerning, being guided, led, and instructed as we go on this journey together. This is why I'm here. This is why we have leaders within our congregation whom we lift up to help move along with me. Right? I'm set apart. I'm not set above. I'm here on this journey with you. I feel like I really should get down on the bottom step. Right? No, as always, like if you need help discerning God's call in your life, if you need help discerning what God's word for you is, like I am here. I'm available to, to sit with you. I'm available to chat. I'm available to pray. But we're left with the question of how is God speaking to and through each and every one of us for the work that God is calling us to do, both as individuals and as a community together. Amen. Amen.